How many like that song? That awesome? First time I heard the whole thing was about 8 o'clock this morning, and we're all still kind of dragging, and then you don't have a choice. It wakes you up right away as we got ready uh, for you all to show up today. Ever done something so foolish that you know you needed forgiveness, but you really weren't sure you are going to receive it? I have to be careful that I don't speak before I think. Anybody like that? My mom and dad used to always tell me, Jeff, you know, think before you speak. And I've gotten into trouble a lot of times by not doing that. And as I thought about this, the one that comes to the front of my mind is a time when I was a senior in college and I had a church that I would preach at every weekend, my junior and senior year. And I'll never forget, it was a Sunday night, and this young couple came in that were fairly new. And I walked up to them, and I said, I could tell she was pregnant. So I said, so what do you do? And you know what's coming. <laughs> and she got all red-faced. And she looked back at me and she said, I'm not expecting. And I thought, oh, wow. I asked forgiveness. I went to their house and asked forgiveness. And I don't know to this day they said they did, but I still don't know if she's forgiven me for that. But there's good news of that happening in my life. And that is, once you make that mistake, mm mm-mm. I don't care if you're having triplets and you're three weeks past due. It's not coming from this guy. All right? It's not coming here. We're in a series where we've been talking about one another commands in the New Testament. And some of them come more naturally than others. And the one we talk about this morning is probably the expectation, one another expectation that most goes against the grain of our hearts. We're told by a multitude of people in the New Testament to forgive one another. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? And then the next chapter, for follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Walk in a way of love. How? Just as, there you are. You ever noticed after every one another command, either right before it or right after it, is an admonition for us to love one another every single time. When you came in this morning, you received a rock. Go ahead and get a hold of that right now. Hold it in your hand if you would, please. Feel... Everybody get a rock? Doug's got some. Look at that throughout this message. Feel it. Touch it. When I'm passing out these rocks, someone said, you know, what are these for? And then someone said, you know, is, is this to throw at you? And I said, no, Brenna, no. No. <laughs> no. No, that's not what they're for. I want you to hold on to it. I want you to feel it in your hand. 
because I want this rock to be a representation this morning. We use these rocks often as weapons. Maybe a rock of retaliation, maybe a rock of revenge. I don't know what it is for you, but I want this to be a representation of that this morning. I'm going to tell you a story, one that many of you probably have heard. It involves a half-dressed woman, some conniving men, some rocks, and a man named Jesus. The story is found in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. It's where Jesus could have enacted punishment and condemnation, but instead he extends grace and forgiveness. It was in the morning, Jesus had just already begun teaching in the temple courts. A crowd was listening, hanging on every word, but then there's an interruption. And no doubt there were plenty of these in the hands of the men that came on the scene. Pick it up in John chapter 8, verse 3. The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand in front of the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, notice they bring a woman the woman, and they don't bring the man, which tells us something about their agenda already. But they're setting up. He's between a rock and a hard place. Because if he says, no, 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 you know, don't stone her, then Jesus is claiming to be better than Moses, greater than Moses, the one who brought down the Levitical law to them. If he says, yeah, go ahead, start throwing. In fact, give me some rocks. Let me throw some rocks. Then he was going against all his lessons about kindness and love. So they have him trapped. Look at the second part of verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down, wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman standing there. And so Jesus allows these men to self-convict themselves. And then one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to leave. Because the older ones had been around the block. They knew they stood no chance in this. So they were the first to take off. I love what Max Lucado says. He says they left from the grayest beard to the blackest beard, dropping their rocks of righteousness. Intended to stone the lust right out of her life. Whoops. One by one, from the grayest beard to the blackest beard, they disappear. And then Jesus stood there, just he and the woman. And instead of condemning her, 
He used this as an opportunity to encourage her spiritually. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus, the son of God, the physical manifestation and the representation of God the Father, the only one who was without sin, the only one who was justified to throw a stone, did not. He chose forgiveness over judgment. I mentioned as you came in the room this morning, you were given a rock. And again, it's my hope and my prayer that this will mean something to you, not only this morning, but in the weeks and months to come, and hopefully get you across the bridge in your life. But you were given a rock, and the truth is, many of us already came in with a rock. Before we ever entered those front doors, we already had a rock that we were holding. And you carry it everywhere you go. And maybe you've carried it for a long, long time. Maybe it's the boss who lets you go without cause. And ever since then, you've carried that rock. Or maybe you've carried the rock ever since you found yourself ostracized by people in your own family. Or ever since that classmate cheated off you or that spouse cheated on you. Maybe the rock for you was a coworker who stole an idea off of you and pitched it to the boss. I don't know what it is, but you find security, you find satisfaction in holding onto that rock and holding someone else hostage over the hurts that have been inflicted on your heart. And that rock, it goes with you wherever you go. And listen, I understand there's no judgment here. But how long are you going to carry it? How much time will you waste carrying that rock or rocks around? In order for us to be able to forgive others, I think it's important that we have a healthy and accurate understanding of what forgiveness is. And so we're going to kind of do that this morning. I'm going to give you three steps. I'm going to divide this into three steps, easy ones, hopefully you can remember. Here's step number one. Forgiveness, believe it. Forgiveness, believe it. It's not a pipe dream. It's not wishful thinking. It's truly possible, and that's the foundation of this message. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How many remember King David, stories of King David in the Old Testament? Raise your hand. All right, you remember then that he was out on the palace rooftop balcony, and it was just after the women had put their kids down for bed, and most likely after that, 
Usually it was time for them to take a bath and to bathe themselves. And David from up there had quite a view. You remember he saw a beautiful woman. He summoned her. It didn't matter that he was married and that she was married. He summoned her. And after months of trying to hide his sin of lust, adultery, deceit, and eventually murder, he finally comes clean. And he confesses and repents over the sin and what he's done. And he gives us a peek into his prayer journal as he walks into the depths of his appeal to God in Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4. Here's what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. Have I done what is evil? I have done what is evil in your sight. And so it finishes with a picture of repentance and taking ownership of the sin that he had hidden for months. And David then requests, no, he begs God to forgive him. In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. That's important because David had godly sorrow. I think there's a whole lot of times we have worldly sorrow, meaning we're just sorry we got caught in something, and we don't have godly sorrow over what we've done. Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12, and I hope you hear this. I hope you hold on to this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, this is David writing, so great is, the, is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the what? Don't miss this. That was written, David wrote that in about 1000 B.C. In 1000 B.C., they still believed that the earth was what? Flat. Flat. God could have inspired David through his Holy Spirit to say that God takes our sins and removes them as far as the north is from the south. He could have done that. But there's a north pole and there's a south pole. But it's still about 3,900 miles long. That's a long way to separate us from our sin. But God, who does amazingly more than all we ask or imagine, here's what he does. He takes our sin and moves it as far as the east is from the west. You can head east today, and you can head east for the rest of your life. You can take a car, you can take a plane, and you can continue going east for infinity. It'll never, ever end. And so God chooses to say to you, I will take your sin and I will remove it as far as the east is from the west. In other words, it's gone. 
I do not see it anymore. God would say to you, when I look at your sin, all I see is the blood of my son. It's gone. If you've given up your life to Jesus Christ, if you've sincerely repented of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. Forgiveness, believe it. Say it with me. Step two, forgiveness offered. And this is what God expects from every single one of us as we enter into one another relationships. He expects us to offer forgiveness. It's commanded throughout Scripture. Paul gives a good reason for us to do so in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul says, bear with one another, forgive one another, as what? There it is again. Now hear me, I'm not trying to minimize your pain in this. I'm not trying to minimize and discount the hurt that you experience. It's real. You may have been bullied. Perhaps you've been falsely accused of something. You may have even have been hurt in the past by a pastor or a church. There are some occasions where it just feels like it's right to let it go, right? Or at least give them a good pelting with it. So first, we don't talk about very often. Jesus is going to share the implications of those who choose not to forgive others. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Ouch. When we that, we immediately think of our qualifiers. We say, yeah, that's not what Jesus really meant. <laughs> that's not what he meant by that. Jesus means it, it's okay not to forgive if it was a big, big sin against us. It's okay. Well, you know what? It's okay to forgive if that person doesn't ask for forgiveness. Or it's okay. He didn't mean it that way. If it's, it's okay if we've been hurt, we can hold on to that for five, ten years and then forgive. No. Forgiveness means releasing the right to retaliate. Dropping the rock. Releasing the right to retaliate. Voluntarily taking the weapon away so we can't throw it anymore. We can't harm anybody for the way that they've harmed us. I love the old story. If you remember back in Desert Storm, they really didn't have email, didn't really have Wi-Fi, but those in Desert Storm, when they would get correspondence and communication 
from their family and loved ones. It was by mail, by snail mail, right? And so when they had mail call, anybody ever been to church camp? You remember mail call, mail call. Remember getting excited back then because you didn't have a phone. There was no, only correspondence you had with your family was if you got a letter. Well, Henry, you made me get this watch. I put it on silent. There it is, silent. It starts saying what I said. Siri, I understand what mail call is. Wow. We didn't have those things. We didn't have those things. The only communication was by snail mail. It came to roll call, and the soldiers got excited. And one guy got a letter. He looks at it, the front of it, realizes it's his girlfriend's handwriting, and gets excited as all get out. He opens up the letter and finds the letter only to say that she's breaking up with him. It's a Dear John letter. And if that wasn't enough, at the bottom of the letter, she wrote, P.S., send back my favorite picture of myself because I want to use it in the county newspaper to announce my engagement. You talk about kicking a guy when he's down. But all his buddies came to the rescue. You know what they did? They went through the entire barracks, and every single one of the soldiers, they had a shoebox. Every single one of the soldiers put a picture of their girlfriend in the box. And then he sent it back to he sent it back to his girlfriend, and he attached and he put a picture of her in it. Sent it back to her, and then he attached this note: "Please find your picture in the shoebox, and return the rest. For the life of me, I can't remember which one you were." Isn't that great? I, I've heard that story so many times, but I love it because it's a, it proves that we love to get back at somebody. We love retaliation. We love to get revenge. But forgiveness is releasing the right to hurt you back. It's giving up the right to get even. And if there's any punishment to be given, we leave that in the hands of God, the perfect judge. We give it to him. Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So forgiveness, believe it. Forgiveness, offer it. And then finally, forgiveness, accept it. Accept it. You know, the woman caught in adultery, she may have deserved some rocks. King David probably deserved some rocks. How many of you would say you deserve some rocks in your lifetime? Yeah, all of us have sinned, right? And fallen short of the glory of God. We've all deserved some rocks. But David, who wrote a majority of the Psalms, as he tried up to cover, cover up his sin for months, 
and he didn't repent, he says this in the Psalms during that time that he was concealing his sin and hiding it up. He says he was wasting away inwardly. It was eating him up from the inside out. And that's what happens when we don't confess our sin and we don't take steps to change our lives. But the next verse, this is what he says, Psalm 32, verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You know, God forgives our sin, and that's a pretty big deal. But it goes further to say he forgives the guilt of our sin. That means we really let it go. Sam Houston was the first president of the Republic of Texas. And I heard, read that he was a rude, crude man with a wretched past. Later in life, Sam Houston made a commitment to Christ and was baptized in a river. And the preacher said to him, Sam, your sins are washed away. Sam Houston replied, God help the fish. God help the fish. He's got the right idea. When we leave all our sins in the past, all our sins of the present, and we go towards the future, and we walk with Christ, a confidence of forgiveness that he offers and extends to us that could never be explained. He takes every sin that you could ever imagine in your life, and he covers them with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, that flowed from the cross. No matter how much I talk about this, I know some of you are still stuck thinking about the forgiveness part that you need to offer. The forgiveness that you need maybe to give to someone that you have never given it to, but you still hurt. You've been wrong, you've been deeply wounded, and it just hasn't gone away. And so you continue to hold on, and you hold on pretty tight. Let me tell you, I can relate to that. There have been times in my life that I really, really have struggled with forgiving a person or a group of people. And my anger gradually built towards those per that person or those people. But Jesus says something else within Scripture, and he says, if you have hate in your heart for someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. And so from God's viewpoint, mentally, I've committed murder so many times because I wanted to return evil for evil. And that's not a good place for my mind to be. That's not a good place for my heart to be. And so on those occasions, 
I started praying for that person or for those people. And let me tell you, that's not easy. You tried it? How many of you tried it? It's tough. But the more I prayed for them, the more God revealed something to me about my life. The more God revealed my own sin, my own shortcomings, and my own forgiveness that he's offered me. And the more I think about God's forgiveness that he's given me and how I've let him down, how I've hurt him, it may take weeks, it may take months, but eventually, I'm done with it. And every time I've been done with it, I feel lighter, I feel more free. And you know why? Because I've dropped that rock. Someone said bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. All it does is eat you up and eat you up and eat you up. Let me get real close. Who is it? Who is it you need to forgive? I don't know who it might be in your life, what it might be. It may be someone who has done something to you and wronged you in some way, and you've been holding onto that rock for a long, long time. Maybe that's the rock you need to drop today symbolically, letting it go. Others of you, you may need to forgive God. You say, Jeff, what are you talking about? No, God hasn't sinned. God's perfect. But maybe you've holding, been holding a grudge against God. And it's tearing you up. I mean, he's all powerful, and yet he didn't intervene when you needed him most. That loved one passed away. That job didn't work the way you thought it was going to work. That medical diagnosis. <laughs> isn't at all what you expected. And so you blame God. Maybe that's the rock you need to drop today. Or maybe there's another one. Maybe the rock you need to drop and the person you need to forgive is yourself. 
Sometimes that's the toughest rock to drop out of all of them. Because we hear the words, God takes our sins and moves them as far as the east is from the west, but we don't accept it. Today I challenge you to take those words to heart and finally drop that, drop that rock and forgive yourself. There are silver trash cans up front. Many of you probably have already seen them. In the next few minutes, you're going to hear sounds of rocks hitting those silver cans. And behind every sound is a story. Probably that only that person who drops the rock and God knows. But I would ask that you would do this. In a moment, we're going to start from the back and you, or let's start from the front and then work towards the back, row by row. And come up and just drop your rock in the bin. Symbolizing that you want to extend forgiveness and grace to whoever this rock or whatever this rock represents, just as God has extended grace to you. Someone said, we look most like animals when we kill. We look most like humans when we judge. But we look most like God when we forgive. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to drop some rocks. And every rock that hits that pan, can that we hear symbolizes the past being let go. And let me tell you, The louder it is, the better. As we give glory and praise to God, the one who forgives us and asks us to forgive one another. I'm going to pray, and then let's drop some rocks. God, we thank you and praise you. God, for you allowing your son, Jesus Christ, not only to come into this world, but to come into this world to die on a cross. To die on a cross, God, and take every sin that we've ever committed and remove them as far as the east is from the west, which means, God, forever. God, we praise you for that forgiveness. We praise you, God, for that grace that you've offered us. And so now, God, God, may this be a time that once and for all, we turn it over to you. We drop the rock, symbolizing that we want to forgive just as you have forgiven us. We pray this and we do this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been about understanding and accepting the forgiveness that God offers us and then extending that same forgiveness to others. And maybe 
There's someone here that's never accepted that forgiveness fully. Meaning you've never confessed that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life and that you want to accept him. Or maybe you've done that, but you've never obediently followed scripture and gone under the water and said, God help the fish. Maybe that's the step. Well, then there's another step that we often don't call for. And that is maybe you finally want to say, Northside's my home. I mean, you never come up and said, I want to be a part of this place. Any of those decisions, we'd love to have you come forward. We're going to sing a song, um, and we're going to celebrate that now. But as we sing this, let's stand and let's sing together. Have a decision come now, please. This is Katie and Anthony Duncan, and they come this morning um, to let you all know that they have decided to be immersed. Isn't that awesome? And since we do not have a tank of water here yet, that will be coming. Uh, we will be baptizing them tomorrow night in Wadsworth. Um, part of their understanding that they have come to is that they were both, well, both, but they were raised Catholic and they were sprinkled as babies. And when we're sprinkled as babies, we have no understanding of the forgiveness that God offers us or what baptism is all about. And so they've come to that understanding that in obedience to God's word, they need to go down under the water. Um, so we're going to celebrate that with them. We're going to celebrate this morning and we'll celebrate tomorrow night. And Henry's going to, he doesn't know it, but Henry's going to shoot a video. <laughs> and we're going to show that next Sunday so you all can see what happened. All right? And I know we're pressed for time and I don't ever go over. It's a pet peeve of mine. But we have one more song to sing, but I got to share this. These two... Uh, we're about in about four weeks to go with our one year anniversary in this spot and these guys were a part of making this spot become a reality they were our architects designers whatever you want to call them that's what they do and they do it really well but this space their heart is in it and now to see them come to this. Yeah. Guys, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Uh, and we had to pull them out of serving with the babies. Uh, so they take care of your kids uh, Sunday in and Sunday out. And it's just huge. These guys, this is Doug and Sue Golachek. Anybody not met them? <laughs> right? Uh, they uh, have been with us for a little while now and have just jumped in head first uh, to, and heart first to help us and do whatever it is that needs to be done. And they've come this morning as immersed believers desiring to place their membership here at Northside. And we are thrilled for that.
And by the way, to do that, to say this is my church, you don't have to come forward, but I wanted them to do that. You don't have to come forward, just need to be an immersed believer in Jesus Christ. Come up to me, come up to somebody up here, say, hey, I, I want you to know that I want to be, this is my church, and, and we can make that happen. But I'm going to reach here, you just join hands. I'm going to ask you all to repeat after me, and if you guys would too, say, I believe, I believe. that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus. the Son of the living God, and he's my personal Lord and Savior. Awesome. Let's stand. Let's celebrate with one more song.